This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 138, The Importance of Nervous System Resilience in Parenting. Welcome to Building Resilience, a podcast where theory, practical strategies, and inspiring stories show you how to unlock your best life. I'm your host, Leah Davidson. As a certified life coach, speech language pathologist, and nervous system resilience expert, it is my mission to teach you how to be more resilient to life's adversities. I will show you how to manage your mind, befriend your nervous system, process your emotions, and even eliminate stress. It's time to do more than just survive. It's time to thrive. Let's get started. Hey, friends, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. I hope you are having a good summer. I hope things are going well for you. I want to ask you a quick favor. If you haven't had a chance, if you could head over and leave a review for the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. It really helps people find the podcast and I would love to reach as many people as possible. So as mentioned a few weeks back, I was going to be introducing some episodes all about nervous system resilience and different topics. And today I wanted to talk about parenting and the importance of nervous system regulation, and specifically co-regulation we're going to talk about today. Now, remember the reason that I call it resilience is because that is the most important characteristics, resilience. A healthy nervous system expands and contracts. It increases the energy, and then it goes back home. It dips down, and then it returns. So it's kind of like traveling. We can go away, but we always want to come back home. Our nervous system is like that, and that is resilience, the ability to bend and not break, to stay rooted and be blown over, to fall apart, get back up again. Now, returning home requires us to be regulated, to learn how to self-regulate. And we talked before about the importance of self-regulation. There needs to be three things. You need to have safety. So you need to be neurocepting safety, picking up on safety cues external to us, safety cues within us, and of course, safety cues between us. Then we need to have an idea of what's going on in our body. So interoception, scanning the body to note any stress and tension and where that is in the body. Now, once we've established safety, once we've dropped into our body, then we can relax our muscles, relax our tension, and that is how we regulate ourselves. But how do we actually learn to regulate ourselves? We learn it from others. We learn it from our caregivers. We first have to experience co-regulation with our caregivers. Now, co-regulation, it always comes before self-regulation. So let's take a step back to look at how the nervous system develops. Now, our nervous system is very unique to each of us. It forms during the early stage of our development in utero. So essentially biology works its magic. And then it's also shaped through experience. So even before birth, the system is taking in and responding to the environment. And any kind of prenatal exposure to different adverse experiences can influence a baby's autonomic nervous system. So things like substance abuse or socioeconomic hardship and maternal mood The stress of the mother is transmitted too, and anxiety and depression and things like that can impact a baby's developing level of activity and their heart rate. So early womb experiences and then early baby experiences are all shaping the child's autonomic nervous system. 
we know that a baby is not able to take care of themselves. A baby is completely unable to regulate themselves. So it relies completely on co-regulation. Now, this co-regulation essentially is you can consider it a process where two or more people work together to regulate their emotional, their behavioral, or their physiological responses to a situation. So it involves the ability to adjust our own behavior, our own emotional state in response to the behavior or emotional state of another person. And it really is a foundation of autonomic regulation. It happens before we self-regulate. Like I said, it's a biological need we have for connection. We have this. It's a lifelong quest that we all have. We're driven to co-regulate. We are constantly on a quest to feel safe in our own bodies, in our relationship with others, and in our environment. Now, we want to feel safe. We also want to feel safe with others. We are born with this need to be connected. As I said, initially interactions between mother and child shape a baby system. And if a child is in a responsive relationship with a caregiver, then this connection forms the basis of a regulated nervous system. So Deb Dana, who I've mentioned before, she's a therapist renowned in polyvagal world. She talks about it being a dance of connection. We'll fall out of connection and then we'll return to connection. And it's that back and forth, that resilience that builds a healthy nervous system. Now, if a child has an adult as a caregiver who has dysregulated themselves, then this caregiver is not able to offer the child the safety of connection that the child needs. They don't learn and they don't get the co-regulation that is needed. So what happens then is a child learns that they need to protect themselves. So they develop a pattern of protection. So you can see it's really important that a parent needs to be regulated in order to co-regulate and help their child create a healthy system. Now, many people did not have this experience of being safe with someone in a safe environment. And as a result, they did not learn how to regulate themselves. So as I said, what happens is the child needed to develop a pattern of protection. And then what can happen is the child can get stuck in this protective state because it's an adaptation to what the child is dealing with. So a child can get stuck due to trauma. Now, the good news is shaping of the nervous system continues throughout our whole life. So it is good news that the autonomic nervous system does learn from experience and these ongoing experiences can reshape the system. Patterns can be interrupted and recreated. And as people get older, their ability to regulate with somebody can be so helpful. In order for change to happen, though, you need safety. If someone does not have predictable and ongoing co-regulation, they actually can struggle with engaging and making changes. Parents are really that first experience and where children learn how to self-regulate. Now, obviously, co-regulation will look different across the span of a lifetime, certainly as a child is growing, but we can be sure that the role of parents is a crucial one. And I also add the role of anyone involved in raising or working or loving kids. So teachers and coaches, grandparents, aunts, uncles, childcare providers, we are all leaving imprints on children's nervous systems. So we want to be doing what we can. Co-regulation is needed at every stage of life. It's essential for health and well-being. 
And again, it comes before self-regulation. It will always be needed, even if we can self-regulate. And the ability to return to regulation is the essence of resilience. As parents, we actually have a responsibility to regulate our own nervous system so we can bring in a reliable flow of safety. All our nervous systems long for co-regulation. And we actually send signals out into the world looking for signals in return. So we're always looking to create a shared sense of safety from a baby upward. From our experiences, our nervous system starts to build stories about relationships. So if we had regulated people around us from a young age who were regulating with us, then our stories are going to be based in connection. If we don't have that, then our stories will be based in protection. When opportunities for connection are missing, we actually carry the distress in our nervous system. And as I've said before, we can get stuck in a dysregulated state, which is actually what trauma is. So what can we do to help support our kids and help them learn regulation? So there's a few things. The first thing, we need to be providing our kids with a safe and secure environment. We want to be providing them with a relationship responsive to their needs, consistent, looking out for their needs and wants and acknowledging them. We want to be able to display affection and support them when things are challenging. We want to be able to communicate and connect. Last year, episode 72, 74, 75, around there I did a whole bunch of episodes on connection and communication. We want to be consistently and effectively communicating. Connection comes in taking an interest in other people's interests, respecting that they are their own person, providing our kids with a safe place to be, a safe place to learn and grow and fail and fall and still be loved. Now next, they also need structure. They need to have consistent routines, consistent discipline, consistent expectations. This helps promote security. Brene Brown talks about having a rope between a parent and the child. If the rope is too slack, the child feels untethered. If it's too tight, then it can snap. So there needs to be a balance. There needs to be some tension and some give. So we need to create an environment for our kids that is both physically and emotionally safe. We need to have clear guidelines, expectations, and consequences. And we want to make sure we're not giving freedom too quickly without responsibility. We need to be firm and loving. We also need to be humble and willing to admit our own mistakes. So they need safety. They need structure. And next, they need active teaching. We need to be teaching our kids how to regulate their nervous system through modeling, but also through deliberate teaching and practice, doing it with them and correction. We need to actively teach and then practice and then review and provide whatever scaffolding and support they need. We do know that the most powerful way to teach is by example. So that's why we need to be modeling and the direct teaching. But if a parent is not able to regulate themselves, how do we expect the child to know how to regulate? How do we expect a child to be regulated in an environment where parents are dysregulated? 
this is why you really do need to get to know yourself and what it feels like when you are dysregulated. And when I work with my clients, we first focus on them creating what I call their landscapes. What does dysregulation look like for them when they're on team hyper, when they're activated? What does it look like when they're on team hypo, when they're conserving energy or shutting down or team resilient? What feels good when they're in their home base? We want to explore what each zone looks like in terms of physical, like what are your postures, your facial expressions, your energy, your actions and behaviors? What do you typically say? What do you even eat? What are your movements, your tension levels? And then what's going on in your mind? What are your thoughts, your memories that come up, the beliefs? What are the triggers? What are the emotions? You want to get to know what's going on in each zone. You need to know how you react to triggers in stressful situations so you know what you need to shift. And once you know your landscape, then you can work on ways that will help you regulate. And starting with some basics like breathing and movement and meditation and creativity and self-soothing and self-talk, you need to learn your strategies and then practice them. Once they're practiced, then you're in a better place to be an example and to be a teacher. Every child has different levels of needs. They need different amounts of co-regulation. So you want to be paying attention to the individual child. Don't assume it's the same with one child or the other. Come at it fresh every time and be careful of labeling one as better than the other. They are just different. Children in general will have varying amounts of needs for co-regulation as they develop. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. I did come across a cool chart from a study done at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and they talk about what is needed at different ages and stages. So I'm just going to share a little bit of that with you. Depending on where your children are in these different stages, you can listen to what are some of the things that they are going to be needing in terms of regulation. If we look at infants, well, we know they're completely reliant on their caregivers. So the caregiver is doing all the regulation from feeding to temperature control to managing the environment, anything that happens. So adults need to be sensitive to their cues. Adults need to be providing warmth and nurturing to anticipate needs, respond to cues. And to start providing that structure and consistent routine, definitely want to provide physical and emotional comfort when a child is distressed, to speak calmly, give affection, and to try to modify the environment to decrease any demands and stress. Now, with toddlerhood, the same thing continues, but the child is beginning to build the motor and language skills. So they do have a little bit more control. They have a lot of emotions. So adults can start to teach them some skills like using their words, waiting, turn-taking, starting to help them be aware of empathy, how to express their emotions. But adults are still obviously the caregivers making sure that things are safe and putting limits and teaching age-appropriate rules and expectations. They can start to label emotions and teach and coach on the use of different words to express emotions. And adults can start modeling like waiting and self-calming strategies. Now, in preschool, we just keep adding. These kids are getting better at understanding, better at learning, using some self-regulation skills. We can start to actively teach them some higher skills like perspective taking or problem solving, and then keep helping them looking at how to express their emotions. Now, obviously, they need a lot of support, a lot of encouragement, repetition, prompting. 
They are keenly looking at us to model. So we need to be walking our talk. They are picking up on everything. They definitely need the clear rules and expectations. And you want them to see that there are consequences and you need to follow through with the consequences. You can start to do even more active teaching here, like some calming exercises. You can introduce breathing in just the simple way, teaching them to smell the flower and blow out the candle. Or you could also get them to blow bubbles. It's practicing exhalation. Now, co-regulation for elementary kids, again, it just keeps building. As kids get older and they gain more control over their attention, emotions, and behaviors, they're starting to be able to manage their impulses a little bit better at delaying gratification. We want to help them with that. They're starting to think more, decide more, understand what they feel. They're learning how to interact more with kids socially. And as parents, we need to keep teaching and keep modeling. It's an ongoing job because they are always watching. Now, we can help them develop a better understanding of emotions, which means we have to really be getting better at our own emotions, witnessing them, labeling them, sitting with them, allowing them, processing them. Because as we get better at managing our own emotions, we also get better at allowing our children to sit with and feel and witness and label and process their own feelings. We can help them build up their vocabulary. We don't have to get panicked when we see that they are processing some emotions. We can continue to teach them ways to regulate more breathing, more relaxation, you know, tense and relaxed, maybe using some imagery, helping them imagine going to a place that they love, or even what positive self-talk is. We can continue to help them develop social skills. I remember so many times my kids coming home with different drama about things happening in class and birthday parties not being invited to or not making sport teams. So we can help them with problem solving and perspective taking and flexibility. Essentially, what we're doing is we're helping them with their executive function skills that we talked about on episode 129. We can help them develop these skills. We may want to take a more active role in helping them in their academics and helping them with organization and study skills. And of course, we want to continue to provide a warm and nurturing supportive relationship, but they still need limits, boundaries, and consequences. We also want to help them be a lot more resourceful. And I talked all about that on episode 98. We want to be in a role where we aren't solving all their problems, but we're asking more questions to help them consider different perspectives. Now, co-regulation for adults, the teen years, this is a crazy time for our kids and for us. But of course, like with every stage, it's 50-50. Our kids are trying to become more independent from us, but don't be fooled. They still need our guidance. They need rules. They need structure they need consequences. Gabor Mate in his book, Hold On to Your Kids, he wrote it with Gordon Newfeld. And he talks about how your kids may be pushing away and wanting to be independent, but it is not the time for you to step back completely. We need to be involved and supportive. We need to be a caring adult. It is as important as ever. I remember getting some advice when my kids were heading into teen years and the person told me that, well, your kids are going to hate you regardless of what you do. So you might as well do what you think is right. 
Now, in my experience, I didn't actually have kids that hated me, or at least not to my face, who knows. And while we still had some crazy times and lots of up and downs, I did try to stick with doing what I thought was right. So mom first, friend second. And of course, I know I did things wrong. And my kids are definitely at this age now where they are happy to point out all the things that they will do differently when they have kids of their own, which is totally fine because I made mistakes along the way and everything eventually comes full circle. They will figure out when they have kids of their own, they will see that there will be things that they do that their kids won't like. We need to be doing things from a place of I'm doing the best that I can and from a place of regulation. But teens still need caregivers. They need at least one adult in their life that can help them process all those crazy emotions and to give them space to help them deal with conflicts and stressful times as they're navigating big decisions and big changes. So they need parents. They've got a lot of friends. They need parents right now. They need independence, but they also need boundaries and this caring adult to be looking out for them behind the scenes and helping them set healthy boundaries. So we need to provide a warm, responsive relationship consistency. And of course, monitoring our own self-regulation because that's what they're also watching all the time. It's very hard to pull things past a teenager by saying one thing and doing another. They will call you on it. They notice it, they pick up on it, and they will call you on it. Now, co-regulation for young adults. This is definitely a tricky stage, and most of my kids are in this stage, and we're navigating some uncharted waters. So, of course, we're going to be continuing to make mistakes. But they are still maturing, even though sometimes the expectations are that they are already mature. So, co-regulation can look more like just social support. Maybe some mentoring, maybe some guidance. Again, we can be modeling healthy relationships and communications. We need to allow space for them to make their own decisions and experience the consequence of those decisions, which that I think is probably the hardest thing to do is that sometimes we're happy to let them make their own choices and their own decisions. But when things go wrong, it sort of tugs at our heartstrings and we want to jump in and save the day. But they also need to learn that resilience and resourcefulness and what they can do to help themselves. So you can see all the way through life, there is a need for co-regulation. Before you panic and think that you've missed the boat with your kids, depending on what age they are, a couple things to consider. We build resilience in relationships where we feel connected. Then maybe they have a rupture, but then we repair the rupture. The rupture is never the problem. It is only if we don't repair that will negatively impact us. So there is always time to make the repair or at least make a bid to make the repair. But I want to offer that there's no timetable for that. Kids need to do things on their own time and their own terms. And guess what? Parents do too. We can't control other people's reaction. We can only control what we do. So we can attempt the repair. We will likely need to repair often, but we want to have self-compassion with both our kids and for ourselves that timing is everything. 
We may need more time before we make a bid for repair. We may need more time before we accept a repair. That is how connection works, where there's a rupture and there's a repair, but you want to have self-compassion for yourself and others that time is also needed. It's also nice to know that research has shown you don't have to be perfect at co-regulation and being attuned to your child. And it seems you only really need it to happen about a third of the time. Again, what's important is that that rupture occurs, it's recognized, and attempts are made at some point to repair. This helps build a resilient and flexible system. Gabor Mate says that the best thing parents can do is to take care of their own happiness. Because your kids at all ages, especially the younger years, are picking up on your states, your nervous system states. We are always co-regulating. But it's never too late to really try to work on yourself and your own ability to regulate so you can be a source of co-regulation to the people around you. So as a parent, the most important thing is to learn how to be more regulated and resilient yourself. Taking care of you is actually a gift to your child, probably one of the best gifts you can give your child. And then they are able to learn first and foremost by example, and then providing them with a safe, consistent, secure environment with you nice and regulated is what comes next. And thirdly, you can do some direct teaching. But direct teaching is not very effective if you're not living and modeling it. So start with that. It is a journey. We are all on a quest for connection, regulation, and resilience. So remember to pack some self-compassion, a lot of self-compassion for yourself and some compassion for others on this journey. Hope that was helpful and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.